you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. When I look over my life and think about all the great things God has done, how he brought me out, changed my life, Sometimes saving me from my own self. Oh, something within my soul has to cry out to the Lord. I'm thankful unto Him today. Amen. We'll get into the word of the Lord this morning. Genesis, the sixth chapter. And I will begin reading at the fifth verse of Genesis chapter six. Thank you to this praise and worship team today for leading us into the presence of the Lord. Sense the spirit of the Lord in the room today. Genesis chapter 6, and thank you for being here today. The Lord gave me a word that I feel is for today, and um, I thought it was for everyone, but evidently it was for you, because you're here today. And the Lord knows exactly what he's doing. And so we trust him today. Genesis chapter 6, and I'm going to read about four verses, beginning with verse number 5 of Genesis chapter 6. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, For it repenteth me that I have made them. But then verse 8 comes along. And if anything gives us hope, it ought to be verse number 8. But there was a man named Noah. But Noah found grace. In the eyes of the Lord. When the Lord was done with everybody, there was somebody that still found grace in the eyes of the Lord. By the help of the Lord this morning, I'm going to preach into your hearing 
when God says it is enough. When God says it is enough. Lord, we need your help this morning to speak what you have laid upon my heart. And God, I pray for this congregation this morning and that our hearts be open and pliable to your word. Lord, that you can accomplish what you will in this house this morning through us. That your spirit may speak, Lord, where my words fall short. And God, that your power may be manifest among your people today. And we honor and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. Now, this is a strange way to start a message. Some preachers preach on current events. I have a tendency to focus on personal current events. Is there anybody in the house that just loves going to the dentist? You just love. There's, there's one, there's, there's two strange people, strange people in the room today. Evidently, you're not, you're not accustomed to having cavities. I've been spending a little too much time recently in the dentist chair, and for me, I have discovered there's only one good thing that happens when I'm in the dentist chair, and that's the time toward the end of the visit when the dentist says, I'm done. It's finished. It's enough. And that, that only comes, I was talking to Sister Bollinger the other day, and she, she kind of uh, echoes my sentiments toward the dentist's chair, and we were sharing uh, horror stories back and forth, you know, trying to top one another with who has the, the, worst, the worst story at the dentist. And we were, we were talking about reaching a point. I recently was at the dentist and uh, I was, had originally asked that they would knock me out for the work they were going to do and uh, the lady at the front desk kind of mocked me a little bit and she said, well, we have women that come in here and have that done and don't get put to sleep and I don't see any reason why that you would need to be put to sleep. Well, I wasn't about to be put to sleep after those remarks. I said, that's fine. I'll take that appointment, that shorter appointment, so I can get this work done and I won't be put to sleep. But I will be honest with you, just moments before I raised my hand and said, this is it. I'm done. I cannot take any more. Knock me out. I was just, I mean, I was contemplating it. It's like, what? no, no. My, my hands just about. You, anybody ever been there? I, I just. My, I mean, my, I literally was. My hand was down, kind of on my thigh, and and and, and it was kind of practicing. You know, it was just kind of. It was. I was just about to raise the hand and say, "That's enough. Knock me out. I can't take any more." And all of a sudden, the dentist stops and he said, "That's it. We're done. You're finished." And I'm like, "Oh, thank God." That's how life is sometimes. Sometimes we 
feel like I've had just about all I can take and you're, you're thinking through your mind about time that you are going to have to say, God, I, I can't take anymore. And the Lord says, that's, that's enough. I'm going to deliver you. You go through a horrible time in your life and wonder if it's ever going to end. And then for no unexplainable reason whatsoever, things just make a shift and begin to look up and the depression you were battling with maybe lifts and the situation in your life changes and all of a sudden you can begin to see the sunlight again and it's actually not the train coming from the tunnel. Just before you have all you can take, God says, it's enough. I'm not going to force you to endure anymore. That was kind of the experience of Job, when Job first started experiencing the devastation of his life and everything that was important in his life began to be touched. It became quite a spiritual matter uh, in, in his life and in his home. And, and Job said, with great faith and great submission unto the Lord, he said, shall we accept the good from the Lord and not the trouble. Job spoke a mouthful of wisdom to the church today. We all want the blessings of God. We all want the anointing of God. We all want to be used of God. But we all want the blessings of God, but none of us want the trouble that oftentimes is required to build the character to get us to where we are actually usable in the kingdom of God. The writer said in all this, Job did not sin. And what he said, Job must have thought at times, certainly things can't get any worse, but, but they did. He thought, they can't get any worse, but but they continue to get worse. I, I when this hardship and pain went from bad to worse, he even finally reached a place where he actually he himself all he wanted to do was die. He just wanted out of the situation. However, the most difficult thing that Job faced was when he didn't know why all of these bad things were happening to him. He is in one of these situations where he's questioning God. Why, why, why am I here? Why is this happening to me? And now, recognize we, of course, we, we're, we're allowed to see what's going on behind the scenes. See, that's the great thing about us. See, we, we take the scripture and we begin to read through the scripture and we read the book of Job and we read Job's chapter 1 and 2 and we understand a lot about it. We understand the end of the, of, of the story. We understand how it's all going to play out because we've heard these stories and we know how it's all going to turn out. We know in the end that Job's going to be blessed back 
with more than he had from the very beginning. We understand that. We, we, we know that. But understand when Job was in it, Job had no clue how it was going to look when he came out the other side of it. Anybody with me today? The issue is, if we could read the, the end of the book, you know, we, we sometimes preach and say, well, I've read the end of the book and we know we win. We do know that there is a hope of glory. But when we're in the middle of the trial, in the middle of the test, when we're dealing with the sickness, dealing with the disease, feeling the pain of loss, having pain in our own body, going through the def devastation of broken relationship, and it feels like it's never going to end. In the middle of all of that situation and that circumstance, we, we sometimes forget about reading the end of the book and know we're going to be victorious in the end. And what happens to us is we too get caught up just like Job did. Job, we know, we know the end of the story. Job had no clue how it was going to turn out. It would be no question of our character if we already knew how everything was going to turn out. If you knew every twist and turn. And the only way that God can test us is to only let us see so far. And sometimes so far is, is we can only see this moment and see where we are today. And we have no clue what it's going to look like into the future. And God is testing our faith to see, do you have enough faith to believe that when you're in the middle of the trial that God is with you and that he really won't put more on you than you can bear? See, the reason that some of us live life practicing lifting our hand to say, that's all I'm, that's all I'm handle, that's it, I'm just about done. The reason that God allows us to get there to that point before he steps in is because he already knew when you had had all you could take. And sometimes we tell God, Lord, I've had all I can take, and it's not all you can take. We just want it to end. We just want it to be over. Because the Lord is saying, wait a second, you've got to decide. You're praying for anointing. You're praying for authority. You're praying to be used in the work of God. You're, you're, you're really wanting God to do something in your life. But, but you've got to endure some things. You've got to go through some things. You've got to, you, you've got to have some tests. And the Lord is just seeing how you're going to handle it. We've read Job chapter 1 and 2, but Job didn't get a chance to read Job chapter 1 and 2. He just picks up along about chapter 3 and starts losing everything he has in life, wondering where is God with a wife that's saying, curse God and die. He didn't, have, he didn't have a helper that's lifting him up. He didn't have anybody encouraging him. He didn't have a preacher in the pulpit saying God's going to work it out for your good. Job's just in the middle of the struggle, in the middle of the hardship, trying to find his way to get through the next day. Job sets his case before God, calling on him. God, would you vindicate me? God, would you bail me out when Job shows up and, and runs uh, when God shows up and runs a rather long series of questions uh, past Job that, that Job had no answer for. And then out of nowhere, God says, all right, that's enough. 
That's enough. I needed to get you here so I could turn around and do what I wanted to do in the future. And then the Lord made him prosperous again and gave him twice as much as he had before he had ever begun. I don't have all the answers. And I certainly don't know all the reasons. Any of us has to go through difficult times. We, we all have to go through difficult times. And sure, there are some biblical answers to the questions asked in the pain. Sometimes God is teaching us some of the things we need to learn. There are times when God in his sovereign love chooses to reveal to us why we have to face the pain. Those times are rare, but they happen. But then oftentimes, heaven seems cold and silent when we pray the prayer of why. Why, God? Why am I here? Why am I dealing with this? Why am I going through this? The fact is, much of the bad stuff that we have to face now, we won't understand until we get over there. We used to sing the song, we'll understand it better by and by. And it's a whole lot easier to understand it when we get over there. Here, we may never understand it. There's some things that I, I want to ask God some specific questions. And then there's some things that I kind of step back. And, and, and the more I learn, I've, I've had people say, well, I just don't understand. I just don't understand. And I want to go back and say, well, I, I, let, I could help you understand. But it probably wouldn't be advantageous sometimes for me to, to, to help some people understand. And then there's some things that none of us have an explanation for. There, there's, there's meaning and wisdom behind your pain. We understand it, but we, 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 we see it, but we don't understand it. Uh, Peter wrote, Beloved, think it not strange when the fiery trial, which is to try you as though, as, as though some strange thing has happened to you. He said, don't, don't find it strange. Don't don't, don't say, wow, this is odd that this is happening to me. Peter's saying, don't, 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 don't even bother to say it's strange that I'm going through this. Don't, don't even say it. He said, but rather rejoice in so much that you're partakers in Christ's sufferings, that when his glory be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. And second, God knows you and God knows what you're able to bear. He will accomplish his purpose and then when his purpose is accomplished, he'll say like my dentist, I, I, that's it, we're done, that's enough. And he'll say it at exactly the right time. Can I speak to those of you today that are wondering why you are where you are and why you are going through what you're going through? Some things we do not understand. There are some things that none of us can understand, nor will we ever understand. I wish I did. I wish I had the answers for them. There's some people I'll never understand. 
Can I get a witness? There's some situations I'll never understand. I wish I could, but I'll never be able to understand it, and you'll never be able to understand it. But this much we know. God has not forgotten you, and when he is ready to inform us and let us know, he will eventually say, that is enough. And when the Lord steps up and when God says, it is enough, you'll know that you have passed the test. But until then, you've got to learn how to handle the stress. So what do you do when life brings stress? What do you do when trouble comes? How do you handle it? Do you turn to the pill bottle? Do you turn to alcohol? Do you turn to other people? Do you become bitter? How do you handle it? What do you do? What is your method of operation? All of these things is God is trying to decide where you are in your commitment with Him. Oh my goodness. Because these things reveal some things about you. It's not revealing anything about God. It's revealing it about you. It's not the church's fault. It's not your friend's fault. It's not your spouse's fault. Oh, you can blame all of those things on whomever you want. But at the end of the day, it comes down with how am I going to handle the stress and the pain of life? Am I going to use prayer as the outlet to overcome it or am I going to turn to an alcohol bottle or a pill bottle or turn into a bitter gossip or what am I how am I going to handle it what is going to be my outlet am I going to live angry and bitter and run into the world with all sorts of of of, of sinful acts or am I going to deal with it right where I am and say, God, you know where I am. And I've never, I once was young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. When John was in prison, he was waiting for his death sentence. He knew he knew it was just a matter of a very short time until he was going to be he was going to be taken out of this world. He's locked in prison hoping that Jesus would dispatch an army to get him out of prison. And then in Luke chapter 7 verse 22 Jesus tells some of his disciples, "I want you to go to John and when you get there, I want you to give John a message. When you get to where John is, now John is in prison. Stay with me here for a moment. I know it's a little difficult sometimes to, 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 to focus with me, particularly when everything's kind of monotonous. I, 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 I apologize this morning. I, I want to be a little more entertaining, but I'm trying to get a message across to you and doing the best I can. So the disciples, Jesus sent the disciples to John and John's disciples are going to him and Jesus said when you, when you go to visit him in jail, here is what I want you to tell him. 
I, I want you to tell him how the blind see and the lame walk and the dead are raised to life again. I want you to tell him all those things. Okay? You want us to go to prison to where John is and you want us to tell him, man, John, I want to encourage you today. John, I, I want you, I want to encourage you because I, I want you, I, I, I want you to know, John, that Jesus sent me here to tell you, John, that the dead's being raised alive. John's in prison. Well, good for them. The blind eyes are being opened. What's John thinking? What about me? Here I am. What about me? Here I'm. Does he know that I'm in prison? Does he know? That the king has his men preparing to take my head? Does he know? I would suppose, John, I'd suppose he knows because he sent us here. So he knows you're here. He knows where you are. And, and he knows that, that this is, why then? Would Jesus have sent the disciples of John to the prison to where he was to testify of him that the dead is being raised and the blind are seeing and the lame are walking and instead of sending them down there to say, man, I'll tell you what I'm going to do because here's what we all want. We all want to be the person, man, I've got the Holy Ghost burning in me. I'm going down to that person. I'm going to go find John and I'm going to tell him God's about to deliver you those vehicles that keep breaking down on you. He's about to replace it with something new. Come on, Dylan, give me some more and let's... Let's have a little church. God's about to bless your finances. God's about to, oh, he's about to, and that's wonderful when that's real and when that's from God. But what about when the vehicle's still breaking down and you're still inside the prison and they're still preparing to take your head and here comes the disciples, John, down to say, Jesus sent me to tell you the lame are walking. He sent me to tell you that he's still God and he's still in the miracle working business. But there is an issue, John. I've got something greater to explain to you, John. I want you to understand something greater. He has a higher purpose that I can explain to you. And the higher purpose that God has for you, John, I, I, I wish I knew, but he, he told me, he left me these words. And he said, after I told you that the blind are seeing and the lame are walking and the dead are being raised to life, here's what he told me to tell you. Blessed is he who is not offended in me. 
I don't understand why God's leaving me where he is. Blessed is he who is not offended in me, John. He's still a miracle worker. He's still a, he's still a, a, a storm calmer. He's still a dead raiser. He's still able. But blessed is he when you're in the middle of it and don't understand the why. There is a point that God will say, hey, that's enough. You're not doing anything else. Take your hands off of Job. I'll build a hedge around Job. But when I want to fulfill my purpose, it's not done yet. It's going to keep. Don't get offended. Blessed is he. I don't believe for one moment that God intends to leave you in your dilemma. I don't believe that that's God's plan. I don't believe any person here this morning that is suffering and struggling that God wants to leave you in your dilemma. There will be a time when God is going to say, that is enough. And when he does, God's going to turn every bit of it around. But here's the thing. You can fast until your belly button touches your spine and you're not going to force God to do anything. And you can pray and scream and pray so loud you rattle the windows, but you're not going to force God to do anything. Because he is God, he is sovereign, and he knows exactly what he's doing. And he is allowing you to face what you are facing for a purpose that is often higher than us. And it is greater than anything we know and anything we understand. So here we are. God, do you know where I am? And he knows exactly where you are. And it may be that God is going to come on the scene for somebody and turn your situation around. Somebody ought to turn it over to God today and make up in your mind that I'm not going to leave this building carrying the load that I came in carrying. I feel the strong hand of God. I felt him resting upon me yesterday when I was preparing this message and I feel the strong arm of God in this room today and somebody walked in and you're carrying that load and you feel like the John in prison and you feel like the Job on the day just before the Lord said to him, it's enough. You, I want you to know today I sense the strong arm of God reaching into this house this morning wanting to lift somebody wanting to carry somebody's burden he sent a preacher here today that God hadn't forgotten you and when he's ready to put an end to it he'll say it's enough you don't have to leave here today carrying the load you may still carry the burden but you're not really carrying the load because the, uh, the unction of the Holy Ghost is going to undergird you and lift, your, lift you up by his mighty arm and he's going to say, you're going to walk out of here under your own power by the help of the Holy Ghost. God wants to lift your burden. God wants to ease the pain. God wants to, wants to be the lifter of your head today. You 
And there was a man in the Bible by the name of Saul. Saul was a persecutor of the church. Don't get worried, I won't be much longer. Saul was a persecutor of the church. He wasn't a good man at all. He wasn't a Christian. He persecuted Christians. He was on his way to Damascus. I really don't I really don't understand how it came about. Yet there's a lot written about it. But he's on his way to Damascus. When all of a sudden a light sprang in and hit Saul, whether it was lightning, I don't know, lightning strike from heaven maybe. Light sprang in and I think it was a light of revelation and understanding. And Saul, who was the persecutor of the church, was a terrible individual. The church would shudder at the mention of his name without a doubt. This light shined out of heaven and struck him down because the Lord it was a point that Saul recognized he recognized what had happened here is a guy that wasn't a Christian he was a persecutor of the church and he's on his way to Damascus and a light comes out of heaven strikes him down knocks him down to the ground and on the ground he recognizes that God is trying to work in his life. And Saul clearly recognized it. And he cried out, My Lord and my God. It was because God had had enough and he had allowed Saul to persecute the church as long as he was going to allow Saul to persecute the church. And maybe there were some prayer warriors in the church that was praying for the salvation of Saul because they were tired of being persecuted by him. And they were tired of what they were dealing with. And they began to pray instead of for God to kill him. See, sometimes things happen to us and we start praying for the punishment of God upon people. Maybe we ought to start praying for the salvation of God upon people. That's why the Bible said we ought to pray for those that, 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 that despitefully use us and do ill against us. And so maybe, maybe the church was praying for Saul. I don't know. I, I don't have record of that. But if I put the scripture together, I could clearly see maybe, maybe the church was praying for Saul's salvation simply because Saul's salvation would mean that they stopped being persecuted by Saul, that he stopped beating them and, 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 and killing them and destroying them and interrupting their church services. And, and they started praying for Saul's salvation. I, I don't know what all led up to it, but I do know this much. On his way to Damascus, God said, all right, Saul, that's all I'm going to have out of you. I'm not going to allow your persecution to continue any longer. I'm going to strike you down and I'm going to turn you around. And Saul recognized what God was doing. God was saving Saul right at that very moment. God 
God was dealing with him. Saul recognized and cried out, my Lord and my God. I don't know who exactly I may be preaching to this morning, but maybe today is somebody's Damascus Road experience. God is exposing your pain this morning, and he's shining a light on your depression this morning, and he's exposing why that you've turned toward your old addiction, and he's reaching beyond the clutter of your mind in your spirit today because God is wanting to save you from yourself. All through the scriptures, there's an end. There's end of the road situations. There was a man by the pool of Bethesda for 38 years, had no man, and Jesus walks by as he laid there for 38 years. And one day, Jesus come walking by. The man didn't know Jesus was coming by. The pool was troubled. He had no man to put him in. But Jesus come walking by one morning, and he said, it's enough. Take up your bed and walk. God wants to stop by somebody's pool this morning and, and, and give you a word and tell you you've been suffering long enough. You've been going through it long enough. I take up your bed and walk. And then there's some of you that are going to have to decide for yourself like the woman with the issue of blood that had spent all that she had for 12 long years. She had been sick and she had spent all that she had. And the Bible said that she had to decide. She had to make up her own mind. See, there's sometimes that God will make up the, his mind and he'll turn it around. And then sometimes you have to make up your mind and say, this is enough. I wonder if there's somebody in this building this morning that's been suffering long enough, that's been struggling long enough, that'll say, I'm tired of this. I'm going to press through the crowd. I'm going to press through the Sunday morning. I'm going to press through everything that's got my attention this morning because I've got to get through to where God is. I've been in this mess long enough. I've worried until I'm a nervous wreck. It is enough. I've cried until I have no more tears to cry. It is enough. I've been under it long enough. I've dealt with the sickness long enough. I've had enough heartache. I've felt enough pain. It is enough. I've got to get through to where Jesus is. I wonder if somebody in this building this morning has heard the word of God that's been preach so simply today but you have made up in your mind I'll press through whatever I have to press through because I need to get to where Jesus is because it's been it's enough God said it's enough but I gotta make up my mind it's enough God's not gonna do for you what you can do for yourself if you want it to end God's already spoken it he's already said it is finished salvation is already yours if you will repent he'll forgive you'll be baptized he'll remit the sin He's already, he's already finalized it, but you've got to make up your mind. It's enough. It's enough. God will do whatever you bind on earth. He'll bind in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, he will loose in heaven. Somebody got to make up their mind this morning. I've had enough of it, enough of the pain, enough of the turmoil, enough of the struggle, enough of the sickness, enough of my issues. I've got to get to where Jesus is. I've got to break through the crowd. Come on somebody. You need to break through the crowd this morning. You need to break through to where Jesus is today. You need to begin to cry out to the Lord. Come on right where you are. Why don't you just throw up your hands and surrender unto the Lord this morning. Why don't you go ahead right where you are today and turn it over to the Lord. 
Oh, come on, lift up your voice all over the building. Hallelujah. 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 <laughs> I open these altars this morning. Stand with me all over this room. Maybe somebody in this house today has had enough. You're going to step out from where you are today and make your way to the front of this room. Say, I've wandered far away from God, but today I'm coming home. The path of sin, too long I've tried, but today I'm coming home. With somebody today, eyes are closed. With somebody today, make up in your mind, God's not going to do it for you. I've tried with all that I have within me, fought through every distraction possible to preach to you today. That's, it doesn't matter how eloquent I may preach today or the lack of eloquence that I may preach today. What matters is, have you made up your mind? Because God's already settled it. When you make up your mind to turn to the Lord, when He becomes the solution, when He becomes the answer to all that ails you, you're on your, your road to recovery. He'll make a way for you. I'm not going to beg you this morning, but I'm going to open these altars today. God's speaking to your heart. Why don't you step out, make your way to the front of the room. Lift your hands toward heaven today and just pour your heart to him. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.